storms. So how do we survive those storms? Paul shows us here in Acts 27 and in Philippians 4 how to survive the storm. That's what I want to preach on tonight, surviving the storm. I have only been in one storm on the ocean. I haven't been on the ocean much, but it was off the coast of Florida a couple years ago. We were on a cruise ship, and we went through a pretty bad storm. Uh, they had battened down all the hatches. We had to be inside. Nobody could be out on the decks. And, and uh, of course, a cruise ship, as you know, is pretty big, so it takes a lot to move it. And it wasn't, we weren't being tossed about, but uh, it was kind of scary as we were sitting and watching those, those waves got really big. And uh, there was, I can imagine, as I was watching, I thought, what if we were half this size or a third this size or even less? Uh, I could see how terrifying it could be uh, to be in a smaller ship. A storm on the sea is a terrible thing to behold. It's, uh, and I'm sure ours wasn't near as bad as uh, what the, the people have seen, uh, much worse than that, I'm sure. But this storm in Acts 27 that they have in the ship was not a small thing. It was a pretty bad storm. And I want to show some things, hopefully, to be a help to us from uh, uh, Paul's just viewpoint here and some of the things that he did. So let's start reading. Verse number one, and when it was determined that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and the certain other prisoners into one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. By the way, the we here now means that Luke is back to traveling with Paul. Luke's the one writing this. And entering into a ship of uh, that word, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Again the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. We can see throughout this uh, experience with Paul that he was a prisoner, but he had respect, and he had certain liberties given to him. Uh, Paul also had some connections uh, as being a Roman citizen, so they treated him with deference. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and uh, Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy and put us therein. When we had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against Cnidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmone. And hardly passing it, came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was a city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much, with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Paul didn't even have an accredited degree in their eyes. And so, uh, one that he was, he was not, uh, he was not a professional like they were. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to de depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and it laughed toward the southwest and northwest. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long before there arose against it a tempestuous wind called, uh, this word is Eurocladin, Eurocladin. I believe, Don, something like that. And when the ship was caught, 
we could not bear up into the wind. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we understand why they were having such a hard time. And let her drive. My goodness, if you have a woman driving. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Her was the ship, okay? So we let her drive. Let's look at this passage now that I've made 50% of you mad, okay? Let's go on. Lord, thank you for the time we can have together here. Pray bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go through, you may never go through a real storm like this on the water, but you'll go through storms in your lifetime. It's just a part of the Christian life. It's a part of any life, really. Uh, life is full of personal storms, personal trials, troubles that we go through. It could be a medical storm, sickness, disease, accidents, and the like. It could be relational storms, whether it's marital, uh, it could be marital problems, abuse, mental illness, loneliness, uh, children, problem with adult children, those type of things. It could be financial storms, losing a house, having to declare bankruptcy, being put, uh, uh, put, put out at work, or whatever the case might be. I want to look tonight at surviving the storm from Acts 27. Paul, you recall, had appealed to Caesar, and ha having already been unjustly imprisoned, so in verses 1 and 2 here, he begins his journey by ship to Rome. It started uneventfully, but starting in verse number 13, Luke describes a terrifying storm. And I want to make a couple of points from our text here. We're going to also go over to Philippians chapter 4 in a minute, look at some verses there. Uh, but there's some points that I want to make from this story. Number one, life storms hit when you least expect them. Verses 1 through 8, Luke describes the beginning of Paul's trip to Rome. They had a stop at Sidon. They sailed north, the island of Cyprus. We can picture Paul standing by the railing there, shading his eyes, looking towards Cyprus. What memories that island would bring forth in his mind. He would see himself again with John, Mark, and Barnabas as they were there on the first missionary journey. Where was uh, Sergius Paulus now? What about that rascal Elimus? Remember him, the uh, sorcerer? Had he received his sight again? The eyes of his heart been opened at all? And you can picture Paul standing there thinking on these things, and, and uh, surely he probably prayed for the believers there at Cyprus. They landed at Myra. They changed ships. After a couple more stops, they finally arrived in a port called Fair Havens. Up to now, this has been a normal journey, typical of any voyage in that day on a Roman ship. It reminds us, again, that storms can hit our life in a most unexpected time. Sometimes it can be everything is going normal, like here in this ship, this journey here. Have you ever been going through life and everything is just smooth sailing? Life is good. Your finances are doing well. You and your spouse are getting along wonderfully. Everyone in the family is healthy. Things are good at work, and then, bam, the storm hits. Sickness comes. You have an accident, total your car. You find out you have a disease or a sickness of some sort. A loved one dies. You're falsely accused of something that costs you some friends. Whatever it is, it just hits unexpectedly. These things can happen to Christians even while they're serving God and in His will. It happened to Paul, and he certainly was had his heart right with God. Yet, as we'll see, he went through a horrible storm. Here's the thing about storms in life. They don't play favorites. <laughs> you ever notice that? 
I have seen sometimes, and this is a terrible way to think, so it's confession hour here tonight. And then after I say this, uh, you, you have to forget it and never tell anybody else. Okay, so it's just between us. But have you ever seen something happen, something really bad happen to somebody, and you think in your mind a better candidate for that bad thing to happen to? That's terrible, isn't it? But we, we see that sometimes. We think, why does that have to happen to them? They're such wonderful people. I mean, if it happened to these people over here, that would seem more fitting. And uh, yet it doesn't. Storms don't play favorites. Uh, it rains on the righteous as well as the wicked. And so Job, by the way, said in Job 5.7, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks that fly upward. I never, uh, we, we like to camp and often have a campfire in the, in the backyard, and a little fire pit there. And I never throw a stick in the fire and see the sparks that I don't think of this verse. Yep, that's our trouble. You throw a stick in there, move the fire, anything, sparks fly upward, man is born into trouble. Now, the question then is not if you're going to experience storms in your life. The question is how are you going to deal with the storms that will inevitably come into your life? That they'll come often unexpectedly. Number two, when a storm hits, we need to seek guidance from God. It became apparent here that the weather is going to be bad all the way to Rome, and day after day, uh, and delay after delay here, they were forced uh, into a critical decision by the ship's officers and the Roman centurion. Now, Paul was a seasoned traveler. He was actually pretty well versed in shipwrecks. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 11.25, he had already been in three shipwrecks. He had felt probably he had a right to speak. He had something to say on the matter. Luke gives us an idea of the date. It says here that the fast was already passed in uh, verse number 9. This is in reference to Yom Kippur. This is celebrated on the 10th day of the 7th month, Leviticus 23, 27. That's about October 1st in A.D. 59 that we're talking about here. This was a dangerous time for sailing uh, between the, about mid-September to mid-November. was a very dangerous time to sail in this area. Usually all navigation had ceased for the winter uh, because these winter storms could be expected. And Paul admonished those in position here. He warned them, uh, the ship's offers, that they should winter in Fair Havens. But the captain and the crew knew the harbor at Fair Havens, as the Bible says here, was not commodious to winter in. The consensus was they should proceed on to Phoenice, which was further up the coast. But uh, Vegetus in the 4th century writes that sailing at this time in the Mediterranean was extremely dangerous. And of course, Luke kind of gives us the time. It was right in the middle of that dangerous period. Uh, whether they stayed at Fair Havens or proceeded on, either way, this is going to be a big risk for them. Sometimes, in the middle of the storm, we don't know what to do. You ever been there before? You just don't know what to do. I mean, you're out of options, it seems like. Seem like whichever way you look, there's danger there, there's danger here, you don't see the answer to it. No matter what decision we make, there's drawbacks to those decisions. And so it's hard to make the right choice. There's no clear path of which way is best. How do we know in times of trial in our life the right decision to make? Well, the answer is we have to get counsel from the Lord. We have to pray, we have to be in His Word. I, I don't, you know, I wonder how many times God puts those storms in our life because that drives us to His Word. The most time I've ever spent at this altar here is in times of deep trial, 
and troubles and storms in my life. I don't mean only on Sundays. This altar gets used during the week sometimes too by your pastor, okay? Uh, and, and there's times I don't know the answer. I don't know what to do. And so all I've got is just to throw myself down before the Lord. Lord, what do I do? That's when we have to get counsel from the Lord. And so that's what Paul did here. Uh, there, there was one person on board of this ship that knew the right thing to do, and that was Paul. Paul was not a seasoned professional sailor, although he was a pretty professional traveler, had done a lot of traveling, but he did have a mind of the Lord, and he knew how to get a hold of God. Had these sailors not only used their experience, but also for the basis of their decision there, had they also sought God what to do, the outcome of the voyage might have been different. In the end, we're going to see they lost everything on the ship. So often in our storms, we think out all the options. And by the way, that's wise. So often in our storms, we ask other people who've gone through the same type of storms and suffered the same thing, get advice and wisdom from them. And that's wise too. Those, that's okay. But yet we feel to, fail to seek the Lord for counsel. And that's not okay. We've got to go to God for counsel in our storms. By the way, we need to go to Him anyway, every day. Amen? Don't, don't make Him bring a storm into your life just to get your attention. Sometimes He has to do that. And uh, we want Him to have our attention at all times. How many times... Having been at a loss of what to do, have you found solace in the Word of God? It's great to think out your situation. It's a good thing to seek the counsel of others. But this counsel right here, there is no better counsel than the Word of God. So that's what we need to go to first. Often, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a, in a bad place in my life, seeking God, getting into the Word, spending time in prayer, I'll get more clarity for right decisions than any other way of trying to get direction. We need to seek the Lord. Number three. This is a big one. When you go through storms, you find out what's really important. You ever notice this in your storms? When sailing conditions seemed suitable, they chanced it. They pulled up anchor. They sailed for Penis. And then the storm hit. Now, what they encountered here was one of the storms, uh, the Bible uses the word here, Eurachlidon. And this was known to produce hurricane force winds through the winters on the Mediterranean. And they were right in the middle of this storm. They were completely disoriented. Verse 20 says that they could neither see the sun nor the stars. Now, they did not have GPS. Right? The only way for navigation they had was the sun and the stars. And now this is gone. So they were disoriented as well. So the captain made the decision to let the ship Go where it would go. That's what's meant by verse 15. They let her drive. They just let her go. Their path was totally being dictated by the storm. And they probably lost all hope for survival. Verse 18 through 19. And being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. The lightening of the ship means they were forced to begin to throw stuff overboard. This was a commercial grain ship. So all the cargo would, would basically, this was their financial gain. This was their wealth. And they started to throw it overboard. Even that was not enough. Then they started throwing over the ship's tackling. This was the ropes and the sailing gear and all the things that they needed. Important stuff for sailing. But right now, the only thing that mattered was survival. You see, when you're faced with a situation in your life, 
that you have no control over, when things are spiraling out of control, when you're just hanging on trying to survive, you suddenly realize what's important in life. You reevaluate your, your priorities. You see what really matters. I tell you, there's been, a, again, times in my life in going through a storm, and suddenly it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter what kind of house you have, what your status is at work, what your friends think of you. You cast all that stuff overboard, so to speak. Suddenly, what really is important becomes crystal clear in your life. You'll focus on the most important things God uh, in your life, your family, and storms have a way of purifying you. And, and I tell you, without the storm, I believe there's things in our Christian life we ought to throw overboard. Things that are weighing us down. Don't wait for a storm before you throw some things overboard out of your life that are not good for you. Priorities should be right there. But that's what one thing storms will do. They'll purify you, your motives. They'll purify your thinking. They'll let, they'll let you know really what is important in life. Number four. This is a blessing here. We can be cheerful in the midst of our storms. Verse 21, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, <laughs> you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. Paul kindly tells them, I told you so. Now, he doesn't beat them up for it, but I think it's interesting that he says it. Uh, in ministry, I have wanted to say this many times. I had a, I've had people come for counseling as adults that were in my youth group as teenagers. And come later uh, as adults, and of course we still have a relationship, and, and now they've made a mess. One, one girl that was in my youth group and, and just really headstrong, kind of went her own way, and uh, had two kids out of wedlock, ends up in my office. What do I do? Life's a mess. You know what I wanted to say? You should have listened to me five years ago when you weren't listening to me so much then. That's what I want to say. Of course, it doesn't make any good now. It doesn't do any good here for Paul to say this. I mean, it can't go backwards. So he doesn't dwell on it. It's a good thing not to dwell on what we should have done. Amen? I mean, he mentions it, but he doesn't dwell on it. Uh, you can't go backwards in time. And so he, he tells him that. But now in verse 22, he quickly changes gears. He's not beating him up. He's not other than just mentioning it. I kind of told you so. But now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. In verse 23, he told them about the angel of God. Again in verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God it shall be even as it was told me. Now, this is almost comical. you got everyone running around in a panic. You've got them in the midst of this raging storm, throwing stuff over trying to save the ship. And Paul gets up and says, Hey, Hey guys, cheer up, would you? <laughs> That's what he says here. Be of good cheer. How could Paul be cheerful? Cheer up. Cheer. Be of good cheer. How could he twice he did this, counsel everyone else on the ship to be cheerful? Cheer up. First, because of God's presence. Uh, Paul says an angel of the Lord told him not to be on afraid, told him that everyone on board would survive. And this reminds us, by the way, that even in the worst storms of our life, God is there with us, goes through it. He will give you comfort and help you need to get through them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
would have probably liked to avoid the fire. They didn't get to avoid the fire, but God went with them through the fire. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, and we will also go through some fires and some storms, but he'll be with us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, Hebrews 13.5. Storms in life are a reality we're going to face. They're unavoidable, unavoidable, but praise God, we don't have to face them alone. Amen? He'll be with us. We're never alone or abandoned. Secondly, Paul could be cheerful because of his faith in God. Verse 25, Warfare, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. For I believe God. Faith, that's by the way, faith. Faith is believing God. The best definition of faith, really one of the best is that right there, believing God. Faith results in peace in the midst of storms. Now, this really is kind of exclusive to Christians. Uh, this peace in the midst of a terrible trial. Uh, the, the world doesn't get to experience that like the Christian does. Even though the storm was raging, Paul could be cool, calm, and collected. Even cheerful, he said. Be of good cheer. Everyone's running around like the chicken with the head cut off, and they're trying to do everything they can to save the chip. I see Paul over here in the uh, railing just kind of leaning on it, maybe whistling, looking at his fingernails, kind of bored, just says he's not worried at all. Cheer up. Be of good cheer, everybody. And uh, it's an amazing thing, right under uh, all that pressure because he knew God's got it under control. They must have thought he lost his mind, but he was simply resting in peace, in the peace of God. He saw no fear, no reason for fear, no reason for dread, but he had peace. I read a story, I may have used this illustration before, but there was a king who offered a prize to an artist who could paint the best picture of peace. And many artists tried. He put a big reward up for it, and the king looked at all these different pictures, and it finally came, came down to two applicants. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror. Quiet mountains all around, obviously reflected in the lake as well. Overhead was a blue sky, fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture could hear the silence, the peace that was in it. The other picture had mountains as well, but those were rugged and bare. Above those mountains, an angry sky. Uh, it was You saw an angry sky. Lightning was flashing. There were black clouds and rain was falling. Down the side of a mountain came a huge waterfall that was tumbling and foaming. didn't look peaceful at all. And when the king looked, though, he saw that behind the waterfall, there's a picture of a tiny bush that was growing out of a crack in the rock and in that bush, a mother bird had built a nest and was sitting on there, that nest, uh, on her little brood. The king decided on the prize, and it was this picture he gave the prize to. And this is his explanation. The king said, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or distress. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That's peace. That's what Paul had. That's why Paul was so calm in verse 25. He said, for I believe God. That is the essence of how we can go through the worst trials in our life, by trusting God and his word and not focusing on our circumstances. Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we could see what we're hoping for, it wouldn't require faith. Then it becomes sight. 
In no situation in life is faith more important than when we go through the storm, going through a trial. It is in those situations that things can seem so confusing, so desperate, so hopeless. But that is when faith is the most important for us to have in our life. It is then more than any other time that we have to go to the Word of God. It is then more than any other time that we've got to get on our knees in prayer and ask God for wisdom. Paul knew that everyone on board except him based their expectations on the outward conditions around them, the storm. But he was resting his faith in God. And I want to just remind you again tonight, the enemy, Satan, walketh about his roaring lion, he wants you to live in defeat. He's going, to leave, he's going to use circumstances to get you into that defeat. He knows he was defeated at Calvary. He knows he can't touch the saved. He can't, as far as our salvation goes. But if he can get us to live in defeat, we will be worthless to God if we're living in defeat. So as you face the storms of life, you ask yourself the question, do you believe the promises of God or the lies of the devil? Victory or defeat lies in the balance. Because circumstances will lie to you. And we often believe those lies. God will not. Finally, God's deliverance from storms is not always immediate or complete. What the angel told Paul would happen is exactly what happened. They ran aground on an island. They lost the ship completely. But all survived the storm. You may be delivered from the worst part of the storm. In this passage, it was death. None of them died. They were delivered from that. But God will still maybe allow you to cast upon a certain island for a time, go through a difficult time, or he may not choose to deliver you from the storm at all. Uh, His purpose may be to make you stronger by enduring that storm. We have to always leave that in the hands of God. Paul says in Romans 5, 3, And not only so, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Again, we don't like to think of the idea of getting patience through difficulty, but that's how we get it. Trials, tribulation, it brings patience. But here's the thing. You can be assured that God will be with you all the way through. Now, in closing, I want to take you to Philippians chapter 4. If you go over there, Philippians chapter 4. And... uh, Paul gives us here some practical advice when going through a storm. His advice in Philippians 4 is simple, but not easy. It's not easy at all. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful, worry. That's what be careful is. Worry, fret about nothing. Paul, by the way, that's not good advice, only good advice. That's a command. Be careful for nothing. Secondly, he says, take your concerns and worries to God in prayer. Spend time in prayer. And may I remind you again, don't just pray for deliverance. That's what we usually do. God may want development in your life. Pray that God would give you the strength to endure what He wants you to endure. Pray for the peace and calm and courage and composure that comes with being able to rest in God. Pray for wisdom. Then Paul goes on to say, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Man, this is tough. This is hard, what he's talking about here. 
when we're praying in our storms, we're usually complaining to God. If we're in the middle of a storm, that's what our prayers usually are. That's not what we're told to do, though. He said, with thanksgiving, we ought to let our requests be made known unto God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The only way we can thank God as we fall into trials and troubles is if we totally trust Him. That's the only way we can with thanksgiving let our request be made known to God. These are not easy instructions. It is rather easy to sit in a cushy church pew and make a decision, yes, we ought to do that, that's what I will do when trouble comes, but it's a little different when you get in the middle of your storm. It's a lot harder. And we've, in, we've been in those storms. We've had those hard times. That's when we need to be reminded. That's why we need to be in the Word of God. That's why we need to read this, these scriptures in the middle of the storm, knowing the trouble uh, knowing how we ought to be at that time. And when you do these things, Philippians 4, 7, this promise, by the way, accompanies the previous verses. We do those things, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is a conditional promise. That only happens uh, as you do verse 6, then you can experience verse 7. You're not going to experience peace unless you do what he says to get it. Now let me ask you, are you going through a storm right now in your life? Uh, may you, like Paul, be able to say with confidence, I believe God. That was a great statement Paul made. If you'll follow Paul's example in Acts 27, and if you'll follow his advice in Philippians 4, you'll not only survive the storms of life, you'll actually come out of the other side of them stronger, better, and closer to God than ever before. Surviving the storm. Gives us some great advice here. I hope it's a help to you as it was to me. Thank you, Father, for this passage.